One team that I am anxious to watch in fall of 2023 is the Maryland Terrapins. Maryland is a team that I'm not curious about because their coach is on the hot seat or under pressure, or they have insanely high or low expectations. Maryland I'm more so curious about because whether it's the national media, whether it's people like myself, whether it's college football fans, there's no intense, bold, in-print-out-there storyline to follow for this team. None of that. And for a team that fluctuated a lot last year, a team that I think looked and played like a top 25 team early in fall of 2022, especially in September. I mean, when they played close with Michigan and the following week they beat Michigan State handily in a game played by Michigan State that was better than their previous performances against Washington and Minnesota, I thought, and you guys knew this because I mentioned it last fall, that I thought they were a top 25 team. And then because of injuries to Talia Tagovailoa, other players on the field, and I would say just overall Maryland using up their luck and using up their talent, they fell flat on their face against Wisconsin, Penn State. They had an unfortunate home loss to Purdue, but they validated what we thought about them in fall by playing Ohio State close, shutting out Rutgers, beating North Carolina State, who granted had their backup quarterback, but had a very impressive defense, an underrated set of players on offense, and they beat them. They beat them in the Dukes-Mayo Bowl. And this team went 8-5. and five. They were 35th nationally, according to the simple ranking system. They were around that same level in the FPI. I think they may have even received votes in the AP and coaches poll, the final polls of the year. They had a top 70 offense, a top 50 defense. They played in the Big Ten, and they faced Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, all who finished in the top 10. They also played on the road at Wisconsin, hosted Big Ten West champion Purdue, and really Maryland put together an underrated year last year. It was a big success for Mike Loxley and company. They were nearly top 25. They beat Purdue, maybe they beat Wisconsin, or they upset Michigan or Ohio State. Just looking at the score in the game, there was no way they were beating Penn State. They probably finish inside of the top 25. And maybe even just by the virtue of that one win, we might view them differently entering this season. But they're 8-5. and five. They lost a lot of talent from wide receiver and tight end with C.J. Dupree going to Alabama via the portal. And then Dante Demas and Rakeem Jarrett going off to the NFL. Jarrett's departure, I and many argued, were premature. I argued off the air. I did not think... I kind of thought to myself, why would he leave early? But he did. He did. And ultimately, I look at this team entering 2023, and whether it's because how much they lose, whether it's because they're Maryland, whether it's the fact they're not recruiting at the level they were in Mike Loxley's 2019, 2020, even 2021 seasons, there's not much discussion surrounding Maryland when it comes to college football's 2023 season. There just isn't. 
I made one video about them so far this year in February, where I mentioned, you know, Jarrett leaving, Demas leaving, Dupree leaving, a lot of their offensive line and players on defense, like defensive back, I think Nick Cross is his name, very good player leaving, other secondary players, defensive linemen departing. The team did lose a lot, and they're in the bottom half of the Big Ten in returning production. So I thought it was going to be a rebuild year, and part of me still thinks this, but now I'm more conflicted. I was talking to a friend, and first and foremost, I want to put out there very briefly the, the Kevin Sumlin and the Josh Gaddis hirings. I thought that those were underrated moves. I thought Kevin Sumlin especially was brilliant. You know, he, he took a few years off from the college game. Previously a head coach at Texas A&M, Houston, Arizona. He developed Case Keenum into breaking multiple records. If you think that Gaddis doesn't know what he's doing, well, Kevin Sumlin certainly knows what he's doing. He's going to be the associate head coach, co-offensive coordinator, and tight ends coach. He helped develop Johnny Manziel along with Cliff Kingsbury into a Heisman Trophy winner in 2012 and still an elite quarterback the following year in 2013. He's an offensive mastermind. And Josh Gaddis, he won the Broyles Award. He is a good recruiter, not so much play caller, but it's good to have someone with him and his experience and his youth and his recruiting ability on the staff. So there were some good pickups there that me and my friend pointed out in the discussion. And he also talked about Talia Tagovailoa returning, which I knew, but he had them fourth in his predictions in the Big Ten. He said they could be a surprise team. And in doing more research, my record predictions from my preseason Big Ten predictions, they have not changed. I still have Maryland sitting at six, maybe seven regular season wins. Their schedule is tough. I think the Big Ten East will be even better this season than last season. And I think that Michigan State and Rutgers, with returning production, the transfer portal, and some other things being weeded out, I think Rutgers and Michigan State, along with the big three in that division, are destined to take a big step forward which does not help Maryland when they're in the bottom half and returning production. And a lot of their talent, which was in the wide receiver core, tight end room, it departs. Dupree left for Alabama. Dicious, not Dicious, he returns, thankfully. Very, he's a very big, impactful tight end. He'll be huge if Maryland has success this season. But Demas and Jarrett left as well at wide receiver. So, this team does have questions, and I think that all in all, what makes them unique is, unlike Michigan State or Rutgers, even Indiana, these are teams, we assume Indiana's long gone. I don't think Tom Allen's going to survive this season. Rutgers and Michigan State, there are storylines following them because their coaches and teams are under pressure to win. For Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State, it's win, but not win as in go to a bowl, or for Michigan State, win as in crack the top 25, or show us that you're progressing to getting to that elite level. For Michigan, Ohio State to a lesser degree, Penn State, but it's still there. 
it's win at the elite level. Win a playoff game, win the national title, win the Big Ten. If you're Michigan or Ohio State especially, it's let's jumpstart a dynasty and control this thing for the next 10 years. And then the Big Ten West for its final season is a whole different story. And since Maryland's not there, I'm not going to talk about it in this episode. Speaking of scheduling, Maryland was one of the big winners in the 2024-2025 and beyond Big Ten scheduling release and agreement because they only have to play Rutgers as an annual opponent. But for 2023, the here, the now, they have to play Penn State, Michigan, or Ohio State. And if Maryland is going to be a surprise team, if if they're going to outperform our expectations for them, my expectations, the national expectations, they're going to either have to be perfect outside of playing Penn State, Michigan, or Ohio State, which will be hard, or they're going to have to upset one of these teams. If they're truly going to be a surprise team that finishes in the top 25, that deserves to be there, and that gets national attention, they're going to have to, you know, finish nine and three, probably not even eight and four, but nine and three, only losing to Penn State, Ohio State, and Michigan. Or they're going to finish nine and three, eight and four, and beat one of those teams. So the question that I pose for all of you is what do you think of Maryland? And where do you have them? Because my official record prediction hasn't changed for them, I know. But my thoughts on them, my knowledge about this team, that has changed. I know more about this team now, a lot more than I did in February, more than I did a week or a few weeks ago. And my thoughts on this team are their ceiling is higher than I previously anticipated. Because even though they lose a good chunk of their receiving core, they return a running back who will probably break the 1,000-yard rushing mark this season, They return a quarterback who should be top 25, if not top 20, maybe top 15 or 10 at his ceiling this season. They have a solid tight end. Their their statistically best tight end, actually, was Corey Deitchus. He had nearly 500 receiving yards. Dupree, while he had 300 and the same amount of receiving touchdowns with three, Deitchus led the team in receptions and receiving yards at the tight end position. So Maryland returns their most productive tight end. They return a a few, a handful of offensive linemen. Most importantly, though, whether it's through the portal, whether it's returning production, whether it's recruiting, they have highly rated players, at least according to PFF. Delmar Glaze, Corey Bullock, and I think either Kyle Long um, or Jacavion Noir they each have 70 or higher overall rankings on pro football focus. I know certainly Delmar Glaze does. Eric Harris, in the limited amount of snaps that he played, had a fairly high ranking, too, of over 70. And Gottlieb Ayedzi, hopefully I didn't butcher that name, was rated as a 90, according to 24-7 Sports in the transfer portal. So Maryland's offensive line, I think more or less, is likely going to reload. And there are many reasons for optimism alongside of the offense returning a good amount from what they had last season outside of the wide receiver core. Speaking of which, they're strong at the skill positions. 
And part of the reason why that is, outside of the names that I just mentioned at quarterback, running back, and tight end, part of the reason that is, is because they used the portal. They didn't pull a Clemson, or they just distanced themselves for the portal for no reason other than arrogance. They used the portal. They're bringing in dudes, guys who should replace the likes of Rakeem Jarrett and Dante Demas. That's who they're bringing in. An example of this is Caden Prather, a former West Virginia wide receiver. He had 501 receiving yards last season, three receiving touchdowns, 52 receptions, only 9.6 average yards per catch. And I would attribute that to the fact that West Virginia did not have good quarterback play last season. All in all, is not an explosive receiver by any means. He had a long of 25 yards. That was his longest reception of the season. But all in all, it's still a good addition, a very good addition. His best game was against Baylor, where he had eight receptions for 109 receiving yards and a touchdown. He also had 40 receiving yards and a touchdown against Texas, too. So alongside of playing against TCU, Oklahoma, playing that road game against Pitt where he only had two receptions, he should be a fine addition for Maryland there. Maryland also brings in Tyrese Chambers as well. Tyrese Chambers is coming from Florida International University, the FIU Panthers. He had 544 receiving yards in 2022 and four receiving touchdowns. In 2021, though, he had 1,074 receiving yards with nine receiving touchdowns and an average yards per reception of 23.9. So in 2021, huge breakout year, very explosive. His best game that season was against Charlotte, where he had three receptions for 201 yards and two receiving touchdowns. That year, FIU went 1-11. and 11. They were terrible. And he was one of the best players on the roster, potentially the best. And now he's at Maryland. Tyrese Chambers, Caden Prather, Jayshon Jones, Octavian Smith, Ty Felton, and then Shalik Knotts. Those are your projected starting six. That's the two deep for the wide receiver core. At tight end, obviously, there's Corey Dicious. Dicious had 494 receiving yards last year and three receiving touchdowns. He had an average yards per reception of 12.7, and he had 200 receiving yards around that and four receiving touchdowns in 2021. So he's a veteran at the position, a veteran for Maryland, and I think he will improve and be one of the Big Ten and college football's better tight ends in 2023. The offensive line is another position, another where Maryland just decided to use the portal. They brought in four incoming transfers, I do believe, on the offensive line. Also, their overall recruiting class, which factors in high school and transfer portal rankings by 24-7 sports, they brought in a top 35 recruiting class with 36 total commits and an average ranking per recruit of 87.14, which is an above average to great three-star. That's the average player that committed to Maryland. Their best player, their best player of the whole recruiting class is Rico Walker out of high school, an athlete from Hickory, North Carolina, who was the 231st best player in the nation. And their best transfer portal addition 
was Caden Prather, ranked as a 92 by 24-7 sports. Tyrese Chambers was a 90. There are other players who are transferring in. Avante Williams at safety, who was a 90. A strong side defensive end, Donnell Brown, from a lower division school, who's an 87. Jaquan Shepard, cornerback from Cincinnati. Also Jordan Phillips, a defensive lineman from Kentucky. Offensively, on the offensive line, Michael Purcell, Corey Bullock, Gottlieb Ayedzi, and Marcus Dumerville are the four offensive linemen who are coming in, transferring to Maryland. Dumerville's from LSU, Purcell is from Duke, Bullock and Ayedzi are from lower level schools. Ayedzi was ranked as a 90, Bullock an 88, Purcell is not rated, and Dumerville's an 87. So there's depth there. There's established players already, like we've talked about with Delmar Glaze at tackle. In this team, there is a lot to like about it. The problem, of course, is, and we're mainly talking about reasons for optimism, but I'm just going to shoot it out here. The problem is defense, which last year for Maryland was not a problem at all. They had a higher scoring defense and a more consistent defense than they had an offense. And by higher scoring, I mean they had, they were ranked higher when it came to points allowed per game than points forced per game. They had a top 50 scoring defense. Their offense was outside of the top 50. It was it barely cracked the top 70, I believe, if not barely cracked the top 80. Watch out for linebacker Jayshon Barham. He had, I think, around four sacks in 2022. Very good player. And they could have another top 50 defense again in 2023, even after what they have lost through the portal and to the NFL. But the discouragements, if there are any, are the tough schedule, the overall talent, and the defense. And when you look at Penn State, Michigan, and Ohio State, I just have a hard time seeing this team line up against those three and beat any one of them. All three have better returning production. They have better coaching staffs. They have better talent. But Maryland played two of them competitively last season, and the Penn State game was mainly due to Talia Tagovailoa being injured, and I think a letdown after Wisconsin just throttled that team in Madison. But we'll see. The games have to play themselves after all. But can this team be a surprise team? I have three... Three things that need to happen for Maryland to be a surprise team that I'm unsure of. And then I have three things on the right side of your screen talking about Roman Hemby, the offensive line, and the coaching staff that I think are definite upgrades. So first and foremost, Talia Tagovailoa needs to improve. His 2022 season and 2022 play, and I know that was plagued with injuries, but he needs to play like he did at the end of 2021 and the beginning of 2022, like pre-injury, but post throwing five picks against Iowa in 2021, that's what he needs to play at a bare minimum. If not, he needs to get better. He had a 142.7 passer rating in 2022, a 69.7 rounded up to a 70 QBR, which was 36th in the country. He passed for over 3,000 yards. For the second year in a row. In 2021, he had 3,860 passing yards. He had 3,008 this past season. 
He averaged 8.1 and 7.7 yards per pass attempt in 2021 and 2022, respectively. He's completed two out of three passes or more in 21 and 22 as well. Last year, he was sacked 32 times. In 2021, he was sacked 25 times. So the lack of pass blocking, and this was apparent in the Penn State game, Wisconsin game, and the Ohio State game, the injuries on the offensive line just continue to build up. That's 17 sacks in three games. Half of his sacks came in three games against a Wisconsin defense and an Ohio State defense that were paper tigers, and against a Penn State defense that, when they faced a great or elite offensive line, couldn't stop the run. So that never helps if you're a quarterback, but he has to improve. There were several times throughout the year where he just did not make good decisions. The Michigan game is an example where Michigan's defense was great, it was elite, but all in all, throwing two picks against Michigan, somewhere into, I think one, if not both, were into double coverage or tight coverage from what I remember, and they lost the game by seven. And just errors like that, whether it's from Talia, whether in that same Michigan game, the opening kickoff, the ball bounces off of a Maryland player's helmet and lands right into Michigan's hands. The gaffes have to stop. If this team's going to be a surprise team, they got to be disciplined. And they got to play well, and they got to play to their potential. And I think, of course, that's a possibility. And part of that, too, is having a stout defense, one that's consistent. The offense has some nice playmakers, and the offense was totally the focus of this transfer portal this season. But the defense did lose a lot. And the defense only brought in four, maybe five incoming transfers. The defense has to remain stout, either has to play at 2022's level or improve. If you're a Maryland fan, you should hope that, of course, both the offense and defense progress from last season. Maryland is currently on a streak of getting better every year from 19 to 20 to 21 to 22 they get better and gain a few wins or a win basically every season. I know technically the COVID year they didn't gain wins, but they had a better win percentage. And they beat more Big Ten teams than they did in 2019. The wide receivers, too, need to be more impactful. Raheem Jarrett and Dante Demas, I, were, I was very high on them, especially Jarrett because his five-star capability and the fact that Ohio State tried to recruit him out of high school. I was very high on him entering 2022. And him and his teammates, the whole wide receiver room in general, was rather underwhelming. Now, the run game was very impressive, which is my next point, is Roman Hemby is going to be awesome, and he's going to crush, he's going to crush it. He will pass that 1,000-yard mark this season. Guarantee it. Absolutely guarantee it. Even if this is a rebuilding season for Maryland, and they regress from their 2022 selves, he will cross that 1,000-yard mark. He will. The offensive line is deep enough, tight end, you return your best tight end there, and you have a good quarterback, a quarterback who's mobile, who will force defenses to not just pay attention to the running back, and I think that with another preseason year of development, remember Roman Hemby, Hemby was not like a junior or a senior. Roman Hemby's going to be a redshirt sophomore, so another year of development for someone as young as him, he could take an even bigger leap forward. 
potentially be one of the best running backs in the Big Ten, or even the best, possibly. So Hemby is just unreal. Ten touchdowns and nearly a 1,000 rushing yards last year. The offensive line, I think, due to the portal, will reload, and they have solid depth on the interior. And I think when it comes, like Ohio State, for example, Ohio State's a team where their identity under day has been pass, pass, wide receivers, quarterback. And under Justin Fields, it was different with J.K. Dobbins in 2019. And even in 2020, they, they would use Master Teague and Trey Sermon to, as, they would use them as much as they could. And why not? Why not? Especially with Trey Sermon and Dobbins. But Ryan Day has shown the world, the college football world, that he wants Ohio State to be more of a passing team than they were under Urban Meyer. Well, their offensive line this year is suited to, guess what, run the football. They're much better suited to run block. They're much better suited to be superior on the interior than the exterior. So good coaches, good offensive minds, they will adapt to their players because you can't always force your players to adapt to your scheme. Because if the situation really favors one kind of football, one kind of play call, you go with it. You, you, you aren't stubborn. And like Ryan Day, I think Mike Loxley is a great offensive mind. Loxley, while not super proven as a head coach, is a very proven offensive coordinator and offensive mind. And I think that this team, due to the losses at skill position for the receiving end of things, and the fact that Roman Hemby returns and they have great depth on the interior of that O-line, they could run even more. And maybe Roman Hemby in actuality doesn't improve, but statistically... He could, because the play calling and situational things are different. And he has surrounded himself with great offensive minds in Kevin Sumlin and Josh Gaddis. Sumlin, again, as I've said, Johnny Manziel, Case Keenum, case closed. He developed those quarterbacks and was just great at Houston and Texas A&M on offense. Now, defensively and in-game management is what got him in trouble at A&M, but he's not the head coach. He's just an assistant. He'll be helping Mike Loxley establish this Maryland offense and improve it. So what do you think? Do you think they're a surprise team? There are plenty of reasons to think so. Roman Hemby, Talia Tagovailoa, Corey Dicious, Caden Prather. You can, you can just name names of players. Kevin Sumlin joining the staff. Their interior offensive line depth and center, Eric Harris. Plenty of reasons to name causes for optimism, and some for pessimism as well. What about the defense? What about Josh Gaddis coming on the staff? Did not work out at Miami, at Michigan. The more, more time goes on, it becomes pretty evident that it was Jim Harbaugh who turned around the offense and not Gaddis in 2021 along with Sharon Moore. What about what about Talia himself? I mean, he regressed from 2021 to 2022 statistically. What if he does so again? And what if the offense, due to, look, they lost production. I'm optimistic about some of the players they returned and their portal additions, but there's no guarantees in the portal, just like there's no guarantees in recruiting. What about them? What about the wide receiver room? 
There are questions upon questions that could be answered either way. So tell me what you think about Maryland in the comments below, and thank you very much for watching. If you're listening via Spotify, make sure to follow the channel. And please like this video, and subscribe, and click the notification bell. I'll see you guys around. Bye-bye.